Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. How do you become a more mindful leader? Mindfulness and leadership. Those are two of the most important words today. So how do you do it? Whether you're a student, you're a parent, you're an entrepreneur, you're somebody interested in elite mental performance, how do you lead yourself and how do you lead others from a place of mindful connection and development? That's what this episode is all about. And I'm excited to have on this show a very special guest, presidential candidate, Congressman Tim Ryan. It's kind of interesting because when we met years ago, our mutual friend Nick Ordner was saying that, you know, there's this congressman who wrote these books on the real food revolution and mindfulness and mindful nation, meditation and food. People don't talk about that as much in politics. No, unfortunately not. It's starting to happen more and more. I do a lot of work with veterans around yoga and meditation healthy food. And we actually had the secretary of the VA brought up without unprompted from me about how yoga is really helping veterans heal. And his counterpart, the doctor was talking about how much mindfulness has been helping these vets stay connected because they can get very isolated. And then that leads to the suicide. So to see this getting infused into our VA system at this level is really exciting. When I was reading one of your books, Mindful Nation, talks about the power of meditation Have you seen meditation positively affect schools and children? Yeah, you see it in the schools now. There are, you know, mindfulness programs. There are breathing programs. There's the David Lynch Foundation has a quiet time program where they do transcendental meditation in the schools. These are all very helpful because what's happened to our kids, there's so much trauma with our kids today. And they have what's called adverse childhood experiences. And the more adverse childhood experiences you have, literally diminishes your cognitive function. You don't feel safe. You have a lot of trauma. Your brain doesn't look much different than a vet coming back, you know, that has post-traumatic stress. Imagine a young kid in a family that has domestic violence. Over 50% of our kids that go to public schools live in poverty. That's an adverse childhood experience. So their brain stops functioning properly. Their amygdala doesn't feel safe. You're in fight or flight, right? So you can't access your prefrontal cortex, your executive functions, which are as you have taught, working memory, ability to focus and mobilize your attention span, decision-making, like three pretty key elements. For all of us. Yeah, but to learn. So they're popped right out of that. They're in fight or flight. And what these programs do, social and emotional learning programs and these contemplative practices in the schools and breathing techniques, it teaches them the personal techniques on how to de-escalate themselves, how to get themselves out of fight or flight, which becomes essential to them being able to learn. So to me, it's like, yeah, you need computers and you need 3D printers and you need all this fancy stuff. It's great. But if you don't start with taking care of the kid and part one of that is getting that brain to function properly. Is mindfulness a topic that comes up in the House or in the Senate in politics? Not really. I mean, it came up the other day in the hearing. Do any of your peers? Um, Do you know if they meditate? I met a Republican member of Congress who was a vet who was, you know, we did this bill on post-traumatic growth And it's an opportunity really to heal the trauma and grow from the pain. 
And so he started telling me about he's done five day retreats on mindfulness, seven day retreats on mindfulness. I'm like, are you serious? Like, you want to come out of the closet? You know, he's like, I don't know yet, but the mindfulness yeah. closet. Yeah, really. I mean, I had to come out of it a few years ago, you know, and it just becomes a part of it. But we set up a wellness program in the House of Representatives to deal with health and wellness for the thousands of employees, the Capitol Police, everybody who works on Capitol Hill in Washington. And in the next month or so, we're going to have about, I think, four to six mindfulness-based stress reduction teachers That's amazing. that will teach mindfulness to people who work on Capitol Hill. Well, let's talk about that. Mindful leadership. Yeah. You know, two topics that I think are so important. I know when I meditate, how long have you been meditating now? Seven years, eight years. Yeah. It makes a huge, huge difference. Oh. The studies are very conclusive. Yeah. Like, what are some of the benefits that you have found or... You know, it takes the edge off, you know, not that you're shaking, but like sometimes you're on edge and it just kind of takes you down a little bit deeper. I used the example of a long time ago when I used to play football as a quarterback and you'd have those moments of flow, you know, and then you realize when you read these studies and you practice, it, you can actually get yourself into that state of present moment awareness, at least more than you are now. So it's been really helpful for me because I'm in like a full contact emotional sport where, you know, people make personal attacks and country's so divided and there's so much baloney that goes on every single day in DC. And how do you kind of get underneath that and maintain your sanity? It's really been helpful. I think a lot of people are listening. Our community I'm sure they enjoy this conversation because they love the food. They know the food that they eat matters, especially for their gray matter. We know mindfulness helps to get people balanced. They make better decisions because when you're in this fight or flight, you don't make great decisions. No. And I would imagine in politics, especially where they're making decisions, you know, for our community, mm -hmm. I would want them to be in a place where they felt a level of peace or harmony so they could make, you know, good decisions for all of us. Yeah. I mean, leaders over the ages, the good ones, they had that calmness. They had that centeredness. You're actually holding the space while the anxiety is around you, but the leader's got to be the one holding the space. I find mindfulness essential to holding that center. And I mean, you go back, I just read a book on Bobby Kennedy and watched the Netflix documentary. The key word that stood out from the entire book and the entire documentary is we have got to have the imagination to be able to solve these problems. Mm. And everything we've talked about here, it's like, okay, yeah, we know what the problems are. We kind of know how to fix them. But how do we have the imagination to really dig in and solve these problems? Think differently. Get out of this. This is the way it's always been done. This very narrow view. They say that the reason why imagination is more powerful than knowledge is knowledge is what is, but imagination is this vision of what things could be. And without a vision, people perish. Right. Going back to the defining characteristic of what you were talking about before as this nation is the courage. You know, once you have that vision or that dream or that imagination, having the courage to be able to make it the way you see it inside. Yeah, that's courage. always been the magic of the country. The whole country was built on a dream that we don't have to be locked into the power of a king. And then it was like, okay, we can create a more perfect union. And so every generation brought to bear their dream of enfranchising women and people of color and on and on and now LGBTQ community. And it's just this arc of recreation, the economy, agrarian to industrial to technological, now the artificial intelligence. <sighs> We're just constantly recreating. And now it's time to recreate the government that hasn't kept up with 
the technological and wisdom. Our technology has surpassed our wisdom. And that's the real rub right now with us is that we don't have the deep connection that usually evolves with technology. Now it's gotten so quick, it moves so fastly that we've got to get the government to catch up. And I think ultimately it starts with the heart because it needs to catch up because people are suffering because of it. Farmers are killing themselves. Teenagers are killing themselves. First responders are killing themselves. Veterans are killing themselves to the tune of 20 a day, which is a national disgrace. And the government's not keeping up and there's all this suffering. And that starts with us saying, okay, that matters to me, even though maybe it hasn't affected my life. Maybe I'm doing okay, but I'm still not okay with that. And how do we work together to bring the wisdom to the level of the technology? And the level of wisdom and emotional intelligence, the empathy, mm-hmm. the compassion that allows that. When we're talking about technology and how powerful it is, there's this phrase, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, And we need to yeah. be able to take responsibility for it so then we have power to be able to make things better. We are a species that is here today because of cooperation <laughs> and collaboration. We weren't the biggest, we weren't the fastest, we weren't the strongest species running around in the savannah, but we survived because you and I said, a big bear over there, or a big lion, and you and I are going to make this really sharp object and we're going to go get a couple other people and we're going to learn how to talk to each other and develop a language and read each other's nonverbals, and we're going to remember, we're going to develop a brain that actually remembered where the lion was, and we're going to outsmart it. (laughs) But I can't do it on my own, and you can't do it on your own, and so how do we work as a team? That's why we're here. And why we're not succeeding today is because we're fractured and we're divided. And that brings anxiety, because that's not how we're wired. We're social beings. We're social creatures. And if that social relationship isn't going well, then you feel it like it doesn't feel good. And then it stress because it's really at the deepest level. It is a issue of survival. Maybe it's not life or death. Some people, maybe it is. Maybe it's healthcare. Maybe it's a job, security, retirement. So it starts with that basic reminder that we're connected. And if we bring harmony into these relationships, that makes everything else go a lot better. And it's like the metaphor that you and I talked about before about the human body. If it was fragmented and divided, you know, it would attack itself and you would have an autoimmune Mm -hmm. disease. But it's the difference between illness and wellness, right? You replace the I in illness with we Mm -hmm. and it becomes wellness because it's together. Yeah, I like that. I may steal that. (laughs) But you think about what Lincoln said during the Civil War. He said, if this country is going to die, it's going to die by suicide. And here we are today, like most of the problems we're creating ourselves or we have failed to move with the changes in the world, keep the wisdom, grow the wisdom, deepen the wisdom, be on par with the technology. Because we're drowning in information, but we're starving for that wisdom that really can make a difference. You know, there's this over-reliance on data. You know, if I get this one more data point, I'm going to, man, it's going to be great. If I read one more book, I go to one more conference, it's just going to make it all click for me. That's not it. I mean, it's the wisdom. Yeah, because you need the information, but you also need the inspiration to act on it because a lot of people, they know what to do, but they're not maybe the emotional. That's why we're talking about self-care, about meditation, taking care of yourself so you have the emotional wherewithal to be able to get through it. And then another third eye besides information 
inspiration is implementation. So you're actually doing something and not just reading about it, you're employing something. Right. And then when all three of those in align, then you have the fourth eye integration and mm-hmm. it just becomes who you are. And going back to mindful leadership, you know, when you're thinking about defining who we are as a nation or as a world, as a community, I feel like in order to be truly fulfilled as an individual or as a community, you need the curiosity to know yourself. Like, who are we? Yeah. Right. Who are you? Who are we? And then once you know yourself, you need the courage to be yourself, mm-hmm. to be able to act on that identity and live it. Yeah. Because the life we live are the lessons we teach to everyone around us. Can I ask you another question? When we're talking about memory and the power of memory, it's not just remembering foreign languages and facts and figures, but it's remembering our life, remembering our loved ones, remembering our lessons. How would you like to be remembered? The guy who tried. Who? The guy who tried. I'd be good with that. Not even succeeding, but tried, gave it a shot. I mean, that's what I'd want my kids to remember. Go for it. Yeah, I believe the life we live are the lessons that we teach other. And that when we're talking about this country is we step up. We do everything that we can to be able to get the job done. I feel like I've come out of this same world that you come out of. Like when I heard about you, I listen to your podcast because I'm interested in what you do and Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra. Mm. And I go back and my whole goal has been how do we get people to see themselves connected to the country in a sense, you know, because we didn't have a world war. We didn't have a great depression, Mm -hmm. our generation, thank God. Right. But that generation was really seared to each other, whether it was joining the rotary club or you were an usher at church or you were in the union, there was some civic component to your life outside of your job and your family. And it's different now. I'm not saying it has to be the same, but the world needs people who meditate, like engaged, not on your cushion, feeling good, eating all your good food and meditating and doing yoga and working out and feeling good. Like that's the exact prototype or person that we want in the political system. Not necessarily running for office, but yeah, running for office or working for the government or running for city council or school board, like that's the person we need in the game, on the field, like Teddy Roosevelt said, the man in the arena, like marred with blood, sweat, tears, don't know if you won or lost, but dared greatly, you tried. And to me, your community is like the community we need that can get into an honest conversation without like getting a big fight about it, just like want to help do something good and take all of that work that you've done on yourself and bring that into the world outside of your business or outside of your family. Because if we don't have systems like the education system, the healthcare system, the agriculture system, whatever, reinforcing the growth that they know about and they work on every single day, it's not going to sustain itself. And so to have those people in the system, transforming the system is ultimately how we're going to get out of this mess. And that's when we're happiest and most fulfilled is when we grow because we don't grow for just the sake of growing. We grow so we have more to be able to give to people outside of us, to our families, to our communities, to our country also as well. So it feels good because that's how we're built. I mirror neurons and all kinds of, you know, oxytocin Mm -hmm. and cortisol and all, you know, depending on how the relationship is going, you're going to have more stress hormones or more snuggle hormones and feel good hormones. And so it's logical and it's biological. Yeah. Also as well. So when we're talking about difficult times, difficult times 
they could diminish you, they could define you, or they could also develop you. Yeah. And in times of you're talking about post-traumatic stress and the work that you're talking about in post-traumatic growth, yeah. now is not the time to get bitter. Now is the time to get better. I like that. Amen. <laughs> you can write some speeches for me. <laughs> this has been a real honor always. Thank and you. I really appreciate and want to acknowledge again, thank you for all the amazing work that you do. This is what bonds us, these shared values, the mm. shared vision that we have. All we want is when it comes down to humanity, the same fears, you know, and also the same aspirations. And it's kind of cheesy, but it's true. Team, you know, together, everyone achieves more. And yeah. together is definitely, we could do a lot better. What's the best way for people to connect with you? I know social media. Tim Ryan for America. We're going to be up to a bunch of really interesting things, highlighting communities of people who are ready to reimagine a new country, ready to create America 2.0. And I think there's a quiet revolution happening behind the scenes that's about ready to emerge and people that are doing some really cool things. And we're going to be highlighting a lot of that. It's an exciting time. Yeah. So I'll make sure I put all the links in our show notes at jimquick.com forward slash notes to your social media and also to your website again. And thank you so much. Thanks. Appreciate it. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Or simply text the word podcast to 916-822-7246 and we'll send you a direct link. That's 916-82-BRAIN. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think.